You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. It's only been two weeks, but we have gone through a lot. And by we, I mean the Kings, the Bannerman, and you too, faithful listeners. This is Carl. How are you tonight, Vardy? Hey, man. I'm good. I'm good. Here to recap what seems to have been a whirlwind couple of weeks. Eight games, by my calculation, since we last infiltrated your ear holes. <laughs> oh, and and basically when we say a lot happened we're talking about two streaks going on yep back to back one of the good kind other not so good kings win five in a row for to make it a total of a six game winning streak because last we left you they had defeated uh who did they defeat san jose san jose there you go yeah uh and we're about to host the minnesota wild which would have been game two of their streak, and they de- and they defeated them soundly. Uh, Minnesota was coming off a COVID sitch, as <laughs> I would say. Um, and I a think, bit of a sitch, yes, indeed. And I think it's right around here where the Kings got Matt Roy back in the lineup. Yep. Uh, and that was and proved to be a big boost. Kings go on to win six straight games, and then they drop three straight in typical end of a long road trip, first game back home fashion which in the gambling world we call fade spots fade the team and uh, <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what happened up until yesterday i kind of still thought that like it's okay we can keep this 90 percent about the win streak and forget that one little you know loss against uh you know the 3-1 loss against minnesota because they came back and they they still got a point the following game, even though they end up losing that in kind of in a very downer fashion. Um, so I thought it was still going to be kind of a positive note. And then they went ahead and they lost to, to Arizona uh, last night. And suddenly I, I find myself questioning things again. That's normal. <laughs> hey, listen. So after the six-game win streak, uh, Minnesota, who was on a four-game win streak themselves, came in and you kind of, you know, you kind of felt it. I kind of knew that deep down inside one of those two games they would probably drop. Yeah. Uh, because it is a long trip, you do want to go home. These guys are human beings at the end of the day. Um, so they, they lose to Minnesota 3-1 to one in a... Lackluster, yeah, it shall we say. It wasn't the best. I think Minnesota took control early on and they never really let go. I think it was 3 nothing. The Kings got one late, I believe. Mm-hmm. So they dropped that one. The next game, again... Right, Minnesota comes out house on fire essentially. I think they were up three nothing again yep. Yep. in that game again early. But here's here's why I'm encouraged, Vardy. Last game of the road trip, you're down three nothing. A young team, so easy to check yourself out of that game and say, Hey, look, we're gonna go six and two in our last eight. This road trip would end up uh five and two, I believe, mm-hmm. on the road trip. So easy to be satisfied with yourself. So easy to say. Four and two. Sorry, but four yes, and two. points no, don't. Thank yes. you for that correction. It's still a great road trip, right? For a, yeah, this team uh, specifically, this young team that's still learning how to win, how to play, how to be pros. Such an easy out. You know coaches aren't going to be too upset with you. Management's going to look at it and be like, look at our boys. Four and two on a six-game win streak. But they did not do that. They did not take that option. 
they did not, I guess, break. Go quietly into they, that night. <laughs> they did not break. They only bent. And they came back in that game. They made it a game, and they end up getting a point. A from the ether, essentially grabbing a yeah. point. I was I was as impressed with that loss as I can be with any loss, I would say. Um very, very encouraging sign. Yes, Kings gonna come back home, first game home. They lose to Arizona. And again, I wasn't too discouraged with that game either. Yeah. I mean I, I can so I I agree with you. I pretty much expected them to lose at least one of those Minnesota games. Probably the first one, actually, because of how uh, handedly they had beaten them um, just a week earlier. Right. Right. With Minnesota coming off of you know the COVID sitch, as you <laughs> as you so aptly put it, um, their roster was quite depleted, and the guys who had just come back from uh, COVID, you could tell that were we're missing a step like they, they were not back in game shape quite yet. And, um, and so I figured that Minnesota was going to come out guns blazing in that first game. And they did not at all surprising to me. Um, the second game, uh, I was a little more surprised actually that ended up being three Oh, right off the bat like that. I thought that I thought the Kings would respond. I thought being the last game of the trip, they'd, they'd, you know, try to put a uh, best foot forward kind of situation. But yeah, I, it's, it's hard to be too upset with them for coming back and getting a point in that game, which was pretty much lost. I mean, Minnesota was, was taking it to them pretty much until late in that game. And then uh, Adrian Kempe manages to tie it up. A guy who, who, you know, Todd McClellan pointed out and said that we needed more production from him and, uh, even though I, I can't imagine that that was the shot he was looking for with a flubbed knuckle puck one-timer. Hey, they don't have to be pretty to count. Um, Absolutely. Certainly disappointing the way they ended up losing that game, you know, one second away from going to a shootout and completely forgot about Matt Dumba who walked in and, uh, yeah, I mean, basically had a breakaway. Let's let's call it what it yeah, was. The shortest breakaway ever, but yeah. it was definitely him and uh, Cal Peterson. Yeah. So I want to talk um, about this last game already. This Arizona game. Sure. Um, sure. And I'll let you start because I think that's where you were headed. But before you do, I want to just point out that if you look at the advanced stats for this game, the Kings played a great game. Yeah. Their possession numbers better than Arizona's. Their expected goals for percentage higher than minnesota's the expected goals for and against was 2.8 to 1.7 so in that metric the kings deserved the win so to speak scoring chances for was for the kings high danger chances for were for the kings high danger save percentage was even for the kings mm. so their high danger shooting percentage however was only 11 percent mm-hmm. in a high danger situation you'd like it to be a little bit more i suppose yeah, like closer to 20 i think Maybe so, yeah. Twenty sounds good. <laughs> that would be. And their PDO was was lower than the mean. So, PDO usually means they were a bit unlucky. It's not a yeah. perfect science, but that's usually what that metric means. Yeah, I think my my issue, honestly, for that Arizona game, the, this latest Arizona game, wasn't on the offensive side of the puck at all. I mean, they came out completely in control in the first period. Um, the period ended zero zero. Basically, because uh, 
Antiranta stood on his head. I mean, he he straight robbed Kopitar on a on a one timer crossing mm-hmm. pass, just just a pristine pass from Dowdy. The kind of pass that I think you and I have been screaming for at least three or four seasons that we want to see on the Kings power play. Now suddenly they're doing them all the time, which, Hey, I am in no way angry about that. Um, and it was huge saves. I mean, he kept, he kept coming up with big saves like that and it kept his team in it. So it's hard for me to be too angry about the offensive effort. My frustration comes again on the defensive side of the puck because I don't think Arizona did anything particularly impressive to get any of their three goals. You know, two of them were on the power play. One of them was a cross pass to Keller, was not a one-timer shot. Jonathan Quick just kind of lost sight of where the puck was going on that pass and and did like a little pump fake halfway in between. And by the time he realized that it had gone all the way across to Keller, it was too late. The corner was wide open. So that's that's frustrating to me from a from a from a goaltending standpoint, I think, because I think the penalty killers in front of him did what they were supposed to do. I follow got a stick on that pass, slowed it down. It's supposed to give your goalie time to get across and make that save. And he just, just didn't track that puck on the pass. Fine. It happens, but that's, that's, you know, okay, that's one mistake. And it is a mistake. You can call it a good play by Arizona because it is to even try that pass, but it's a mistake. It's a, it's a goaltending mistake. That's why that puck went in. And then the second uh, Arizona goal, um, that was also on the power play, I believe. And and that one was, uh, it was just a straight shot. I mean, he, Jonathan Quick saw that shot the entire way and it beat him far side, blocker side high again. It's a power play, sure. But he was, I felt like he was set. He was looking at it and he just, didn't have his angle on that shot again. So to me, again, that's another mistake. But how they end up on that power play is because Mike Amadio takes the, power, takes the penalty. And Mike Amadio, unfortunately, is a guy right now who cannot be affording to make very many mistakes. Okay? He's in and out of the lineup. He's not contributing on the score sheet. He's clearly um, not one of these guys that the Kings are going to be you know, bending over backwards to hold on to when they have this many young players coming up trying to take that spot from him. And we tweeted out basically that in the six minutes and 40 seconds that he had played up until that point in the game, he had taken the penalty that led to that goal. And then him and our our whipping boy extraordinaire, uh, Olimata, um, got caught in a bad puck exchange in the defensive zone that led to eventually the third goal. So, I mean, those, those are the mistakes that bother me. And those are the ones that ended up showing up on the score sheet. There were so many more that didn't. Mikey Anderson had a couple, like, he, again, I, I tweeted out that, like, he made this just awful decision, like this backhand up the slot <laughs> pass that, like, I mean, those were the plays. Those, you you want to look at Arizona's high danger chances. They weren't because they had a lot of control in our zone or, or that they they came in on the rush or caught us outnumbered or anything. Every single high danger chance that Arizona had was a mistake of our own making. And I think that's the part that frustrates me the most. Um, I'm going to have to take this show off the rails for a second, Vardy. 
Okay. Because some news has just dropped. All right. The Calgary Flames have fired their coach, Jeff Ward. After Didn't they win game. tonight? I, uh, I think they did rather convincingly. But they have hired someone, Vardy. <laughs> oh, no. They have hired <laughs> Daryl Sutter. Oh, man. <laughs> I am truly, I, I, have, I am truly stunned. And I have, nothing in hockey has stunned me in a long time. Especially, uh, like, this recycling of coaches has never been stunning to me. But this is, this is shocking. Man, this, this goes beyond recycling. This is like a resurrection <laughs> from the dead. Oh and, man! And I, I absolutely love the fact that it happened no less than, I think it happened right when you started your, <laughs> my your, my little rant, your breakdown of that game, as if the universe <laughs> was hearing you. Um, yeah, Daryl Sutter, head coach. So obviously, this has been in the works. Absolutely, no. I mean, there's you know you don't fire your coach after a win and then have your replacement ready to go. Uh, this is it's been, a very Montreal Canadiens kind of move because the Canadians just did that two games ago with their goaltending coach. That's right. Um, so Daryl Sutter once again back in Calgary. Those guys are in deep, deep shit because <laughs> that team is lacks any kind of grit. They lack oh, any man. kind of sandpaper. Not anymore, they buddy. Are, they are a floor mat. In the NHL. Not anymore, buddy. And they will now... <laughs> they are shipping in some sandpaper. <laughs> and now they have to deal... They have to deal with this guy, and I love it. Uh, I absolutely love it. Daryl. Daryl's going to meet him out on the ranch and tell him, <laughs> tell him to start putting some shoes on horses. Yeah, I mean, Sean Monaghan, get your shit together, bro. I'm telling you oh, right buddy. now. Because if you're the number one center of that team... He will be on your ass, my friend. He will, be, and if you're up for it, you might become Andre Kopitar one day. But right now, you're like Matt Duchesne. So figure it out. <laughs> figure it out. Man, this is. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to talk about anymore. Oh. I mean, we got some stuff to talk about, but there's no there's no reason we can't talk about this for a few minutes here. I mean, it's not okay. Let's let's be completely fair. It's not shocking that he's back to coaching, okay? It, it is, man. I'm sorry. It's it's shocking. Do you me. think so? Really? Considering his age and considering the fact that his style of coaching mm. is now that much more in the rearview mirror of the NHL and the mm-hmm. hockey. That's that's why I'm shocked. Look, if he won with a heavy team that would forecheck you into the ground to the and a, a team built for the playoffs that by game five of the playoffs you're like i just want to go home because i am tired of of getting three or four waves of these behemoths <laughs> coming at me with all this heart and they want it more than that that was the kings for three years mm-hmm. they were terrifying to play against in the playoffs i obviously we didn't play them but i could see you could see that opponents were just like Okay, <laughs> like I don't want it anymore. I don't want it anymore. Um, and, but the team was built. 
I swear, sometimes I feel like Lombardi built that team for Sutter because he knew at some probably he wanted Sutter from day one. If you're if you're yeah, recall, of course, of course he, said, this, he said this is the guy I've always wanted, and he was available, so we pulled the trigger and we got him. This Calgary team not built for Daryl Sutter, so I'm very curious to see what happens with Calgary. I'll tell you though. One thing I I'll, I know from now on is they they're not going to coast anymore. I don't think. Does this does this can I ask? Does this not seem like kind of a a drastic move? Of course, for Calgary, but it's it's necessary. You think so? Yes, they dude, they're not good. I'm telling you, they're soft. I've been saying this for two seasons. There's absolutely no reason. Well, I was going to say with the players they have. Sometimes I look at their roster and I'm like, outside. I mean, you said it you, you said it yourself, though. Like, I remember in the beginning of the season preview, you were saying the loss of Markstrom. I'm sorry. Never mind. You, that I was, was Vancouver. Vancouver, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I just don't like the Flames the way they're built. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I really don't. They got Markstrom, and he has not solved their issues. Yeah. he's He's been stellar. And I... There's games where he's won, where the Flames have won, where he's been he's been the reason. And when he if he's off, they're screwed. That's no way to that's no way to survive in this division. I just think it's interesting because given how strange the setup is of this season, and you know, like they've had to play Toronto X number of times. Like Toronto is is off to like the greatest start in the history of their team. And yeah. yes, they're a good team, but I, I, I think a good amount of that is also because of the division that they're playing in. Like they're 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 not playing Boston, they're not playing Philly, they're not playing these teams that they would typically play. Dude, but they're also they are now committed to defense. They they held the Oilers to one goal in three games. I, I'm I'm aware. And I'm aware. Like they are more committed to defense than they have been. There is there's no doubt about it. You can look at every statistic there is. That's why. I think they're finding success. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It, when you look at Calgary's games, I think I see why you would say it's a drastic move, right? Because they're just back and forth, up and down. I think they're, what are they, 500? Yeah, straight even. And they were, last season, their record was, um, I mean, it's Jeff Ward's second season. And in his first season, the record was 24, 15, and 3. And yeah. now they're, 11 11 and 2 right and he gets canned but like just, you, you see what i mean like i do but 11 11 and 2 i think is not good enough i think that's the way they feel i think maybe and i'm telling you they something about this team is wrong <laughs> there's something and, wrong here. and there's and that might be absolutely true i'm i am in no way a calgary flames aficionado so clearly they thought that as well but I just find it hilarious that they think that Daryl Sutter is the solution to what is wrong <laughs> for the third time <laughs> in Calgary. Like they've been talking like rumors. About they had to have been. They ha- I mean, they well, had to have like they've, they've probably been having like nightly conversations with Daryl <laughs> about like what, what he thinks is happening with the Flames. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I would not be surprised. Um, but there's been whispers of like Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monahan, like blowing it up because trading those two is blowing it up. Yeah. And but they are heavily underperforming, man. Johnny Gaudreau 
like he should be in the top five scoring every season, and he's just not there. Yeah. Sean Monahan, I don't think I've heard him do or seen him do anything special in two two years. So their defense is not great. Not great. And they once had a great defense. What happened? Yeah. That's weird. I mean, unless you think unless TJ Brody is more valuable than they thought he was. Well, the Toronto Maple Leafs seem to think he is. Yeah. <laughs> right? But that's what I'm saying. Like maybe it's maybe it was a personnel situation, not, you know, not necessarily a coaching situation. Anyway, it's Yeah. It's I am all for Daryl Sutter being back at the NHL in some capacity. I, I think it's just it, it, the game is better for having him in it. You know uh, what I mean? Totally, totally. Uh, interesting fact: Brad Treleving is on his fifth coach in Calgary. Fifth, Isn't and I couldn't funny? name other than like maybe a couple. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you who they were. Yeah. Isn't Col- it funny? Was Collett's in there for a second? Yes. Okay. Yes, he was. We were talking just the other day about how um, how does uh, oh man, now I'm blanking. Montreal's GM Bergevin. Bergevin. Sorry, I was like Bergeron. That's not it. We were just <laughs> talking about how how does Bergevin still have a gig after they just got rid of their coach? You know, like it, it, it's just so funny how how these GMs are outliving how they're outliving their their coaching decisions. Well, if ownership likes the GM as a dude, I think I guess <laughs> I think that's good enough, right? Like Yeah, I mean, I guess cuz you and I were, you know, we talked about this a couple episodes ago that we were both uh surprised that for the King situation that Daryl and Dean Lombardi both were given their walking papers at the same time and whether that was a decision of Dean's, right? Like if Daryl goes, I, I go kind of thing. Yeah. Died on the Daryl Hill. Exactly. Died on the Daryl Hill, but clearly Mark Bergevin and, uh, and Brad Chalavig do not subscribe to that, that level of loyalty. Stunning stuff, man. Truly stunning stuff. Uh, But yeah, like you said, hockey's more interesting at whatever, at 25 minutes ago, hockey got more interesting. Or whenever the hell this happened. So, the North Division is by far the most interesting division. It's the greatest thing, the greatest <laughs> idea the NHL has ever had. It's anyway. Um, oh, it's so let, good. We're gonna go around the league. <laughs> we'll go around the league a little bit. Uh, we're gonna talk about the Kings, though. Let's talk about one okay, thing I okay. want. I want Kings. to discuss about this last Kings. loss. Yeah, yes. I just want to say, you you touched on it. Really concerned about Jonathan Quick's body language and performance in that game, specifically that one off the turnover. I think it ended up being the game winner. Yeah. Um, so obviously it's it's a it's a bad play, coughed up right in the middle. But my issue. It also starts, by the way, with a bad. With a quick, don't John, play the puck. Yes. With, if we have, if we have, we have several catchphrases within within our communication. Yes. Um, effing Slava being one of them, um, right. Equipper sixty being the other. There's one that that Cotto and I have been using for many many years. I don't know if we've had the pleasure of sharing it with anyone who's listened, but quick don't play the puck is, is it's a hashtag. It was a hashtag before the it, it was. It is an adage. It is. 
I mean, you should you should chisel that on yeah. top of his locker on locker room stall. So because he is not good at playing the puck. A little backstory: um, a buddy of mine had a fantasy league, and it, the the fantasy league was called "Quick, Don't Play the Puck." <laughs> so that's where I got that from. But it has, you know, stayed true. He's gone better, right? Like. If you go back, like in the remember the 2013 playoffs first round so where bad. he gave it to Steen, so Alex bad. Steen against St. Louis yes. in Game One. Yes, and like that was the that was peak quick. Don't play the puck. <laughs> Certainly, he's improved since then. But yes, to your point, quick plays the puck. There's an error in the corner. <laughs> I forget who was it. Toby Mata. Omada. That was my next logical guess. Just escalating errors, right? Like <laughs> so quick. I believe he gets back to the front of the net to at least enough time to set is it the perfect time or was it i felt like he was set but man it looked like as soon as that shot came off that guy's stick he knew he he wasn't gonna stop it and it beat him five hole it was just not a good look i don't know i'm worried about johnny quick we've talked about this a couple times Well, well i think it might be a theme that you could see that there's a changing of the guard now i think it's happening we are living it right now Cal mm-hmm. Peterson, heaps, heaps of praise on Cal Peterson, not just in the Kings world, but all over the NHL. People, I believe uh, Dusty Emu said he believes he's going to be a top five goalie in the NHL. Certainly there's some bias there, but you can see that it's going to be Cal Peterson time, full time, sooner than later. And should the Kings keep playing well, it might be sooner, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you. Not that, look, Johnny Quick, man. He had a stretch there where he was lights out. Those games against St. Louis. Yeah. I, believe, I believe he went back-to-back in those, including a shutout. Was yes. He, he was in net for the 4 nothing Minnesota yes. shutout. Yes. So he's played well. He truly has. Like There, there was a 3-4 game stretch where I was like, this guy's in the zone again. Uh, and not going to pin anything on him, but Man, a lot of lot of pucks going behind him again lately. Yeah, yeah. I, I just the the body language is the thing that really mm-hmm. bothers me. Like when a puck goes in now, if it's a bad goal and he knows it's a bad goal, like the first one was, like the Cole Keller one was, I just I don't see him bounce back anymore like he has either a really good game or he has a really average to bad game he doesn't have that that bounce back ability of like that was a bad one we're gonna let it be it just seems like it escalates every single game yeah so that if if the other team gets a bad goal in i'm i'm sitting there the whole rest of the time like god please defense hold up in front of him because he's not gonna he's not gonna be able to do this and and to his credit he came up with another couple huge saves off of terrible turnovers Again, he had one, I mean, that he basically stopped it with, with his pad, like a toe pad save. But it's just, unfortunately, with this team, you need someone who's going to have to be, who's going to be able to bail them out over and over and over again until the defense is able to work out their mistakes. Agreed. Like, you look at the three goals, they're not great. But you catch yourself saying, we need that we need that save like and usually he's money about that right like right. we've always said what makes him so special is the, is the right save at the right time right um, i'm not just not seeing it this season yeah he, he's won games 
But in that game where it's back and forth, where it's one shot might decide it, I just haven't quite seen him steal yeah. it. Or you know what I mean? Like yeah, absolutely. Put the team on his back and and just steal a game. Steal a game. Make a safe steal a game. Hasn't happened quite yet. I think yeah, he's made saves in those wins, but it's never been in that specific scenario. Which probably unfair to put him in that very specific scenario, but. That's what we're used to him. It's his fault. Right. <laughs> you spoiled us. That's right. But I agree that on that third goal, the body language was from the, from, from the second, I felt like from the second that he even gave the puck to Mata, he didn't like how that play was progressing. He tried to get back to the front of the net, really didn't get there quite quickly. And then the bad First off, Mata's pass to Amadio is just a terrible decision, okay? Sure. Um, Amadio is like circling down low near the face-off dot. That's already a risky pass. You're, you're trying to give like a five-foot soft pass to a guy who's sweeping down and has a defender on him as opposed to going up the boards and making a safer play. But not only does he try to make that pass, he puts it into Amadio's like right between his stick and his skates. Amadio flubs the pass predictably. And then it's just it's just done from there. Our two favorite whipping boys in one play. It, it's hard not to. It's hard not to. And, you know, people have been pointing out that, you know, Blake Lazat's not doing a whole lot. He's making mistakes too. This is the problem. Like, these guys need – they have zero room for error. You know what I mean? They have zero room to be making bad plays like that when they're getting six minutes and 40 seconds of ice time. Yeah, against Minnesota, Blake Lazat missed the Simon backdoor. Yeah, um, I know it's I know the play you're talking about. Yeah, but yeah, your point to your point, there's a lot of competition now. There's a lot of competition on the squad. Bottom six forwards are not safe. Right. You know, some of the top six guys are because of what they've accomplished throughout their career. They'll always have a spot until they decide they don't want the spot anymore. But right. the, man, the bottom six is wide open. Like there's no one is locked in. In my yeah. opinion, the guys are working towards it. You know, Jared Anderson Dolan was working towards it till uh, he got wrecked along the boards. Um, concussion. He looks like he's skating again, which is nice. Is it a concussion? I wasn't sure. It's an upper body injury. Yeah. So this is, I guess, an assumption on my part that it was his head. Could be his shoulder, but it didn't, you know, visually speaking, it looked like he got rocked upstairs. Yeah. And he was not all there when he was going to the bench could be wrong yeah. i hope i am because well i i'm only just going off of our brief twitter interaction with uh with lisa dillman and she mm. seemed to suggest that it wasn't a concussion okay that's good i must have so. missed it because obviously that was you interacting you know me and lisa just... <laughs> hey. hey man you're you're very buddy buddy with <laughs> with the king's media stuff so one of us has to be right uh <laughs> um but yeah, so great if that's true. I hope it is. Probably is if Lisa's uh, reporting it. So he looks like he's slowly making his way back in, and it's such a shame because he was on, in such a groove, man. He really was, and that that whole line was that yeah. that line of him, Moore, and uh, and Grundstrom was really, really looking good. And Grundstrom in general, I've I've been really happy with his play, but I think it's you know. <laughs> It's been hard getting some consistency from these guys. I think that's that's the problem. You yeah, know? Yeah. 
I mean, look, we're getting that problem with like Adrian Kempe, right? Like, yeah. So some days you're like need a little bit more. Then he'll score when you look at his numbers. You're like, wow, he's having a he's having a good year. Yeah. But your eyes tell you like there's still more. He's one of these guys that will always leave you wanting more. Well, hopefully not always. Yeah. Um, hopefully he. <laughs> He rectifies that pretty soon, but there is still more there that we can get from him. So, yeah, and I think those guys who who can give us more, who can, I think you're slowly approaching that put up or shut up kind of time because there's only so many spots, and there's a lot of guys trying to get those spots, and it's they're not all going to be here. I know people like to throw out these dream lineups where or every single person we've drafted is is slotted into somewhere it, that's just not how it's gonna that's happen not how you win. look yeah I, I could i could talk an hour about that so can yeah. you like you if you live through the cup years you know this yeah <laughs> you should know exactly this by now. exactly some of the most crucial players during those cup years were not drafted by the kings we obtained them through trades right so and, and by the way a lot of that team was drafted by the kings but they were not all First rounders or oh, not at all. Prospects. Yes, there were a lot of gems yeah. in that lineup. That's right. There were the Alec Martinez's, Alec the Dwight Kings, right? Right. Yeah. Johnny Quicks, FYI. Right. Um, so, yeah. And that's that's all I'm saying is that like, no one in this organization is thinking that they're going to hold on to every single one of these prospects or young players that they have picked up. So, if you want to be a part of this versus potentially become trade bait i think you need to you need to show up every single night you know so if you're adrian kempe and todd McClellan is saying oh we think he's going to be a big part of our future here that's nice it's a nice sentiment <laughs> but that doesn't what's that doesn't he gonna mean, say <laughs> yeah yeah he's not gonna <laughs> that doesn't mean anything to me yeah you know he's not gonna say i need adrian on the first goddamn plane yeah here. <laughs> that's, exactly that's exactly <laughs> So anyway, yeah. um, those are my thoughts. Yeah, no, agreed. Good thoughts. I do want to also speak about Drew Doughty, who mm. has, you know, he's been under fire on our show quite a bit. He's, mm-hmm. but also there's been instances where we appreciate it. We appreciate his candor and his play. But lately, truly, he has he has found something in his game to steady it. Uh, he's even keel. It's seemingly anyway. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's still taking chances, but I think they're far more calculated than before. I think he's doing less, and by him doing less, it's giving him more opportunities to do the things that he wants to do. And in in a twist of irony, in his mind, he's doing more yeah. <laughs> than he's done in previous seasons, um, which is great. <laughs> what are you gonna say? I think his direct quote was the last like last couple of seasons they told me to do less and I sucked and <laughs> so now I'm I'm doing more and it's great. <laughs> I think it was worse than that. I think he straight up said I played like shit. <laughs> right, but I think the point is he he referred to being told to do less, right? Or or not try to do too much. Sorry, that's I think that yeah. was Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and that's why he played like shit, which is funny because my eyes tell me the opposite. Exactly. I respectfully disagree because <laughs> I feel like I've the only time I've been noticing him is when he's making good, simple plays. He's not he's not having to do anything outlandish. He's not having to like skate to four different spots on the ice. I mean, 
granted, yeah, he was a little sleepy on that on that Matt Dumba goal, you know, with one second left. Oh, yeah, all of them were. they all were. I can't I can't hold him too far responsible on that, but I think he's a big part of why the power play has been much more successful this season. I think he's, you know, shooting from the smart locations. He's making those passes like the cross seam one to Kopitar. I, to me, his game has is much closer to the game that I'm used to him playing in where he displays like flashes of, of the, the brilliance, but the rest of the time it's just steady, good hockey. <laughs> so respectfully, Drew, I think, I think you're doing a good job, buddy. Yeah. I think he's playing well. I think just keep it going. Yeah. And and I think he's a big reason why the Kings power play is so good. Yeah, I agree. I think he's even his, the plays he's making on the power play are simplified. The passes great looks yet the correct look and the probably in many cases the most simple look is, is working out um really happy with the king's power play overall i don't think we've you talked know, about it too much no but not really that was a good time <laughs> yeah man i'm liking it i think you got to give credit to the vets in my opinion kopitar dowdy brown brown especially doing a lot of cleanup work in front mm-hmm. um so that's a big reason why it's working. Isn't it crazy, the fact that we're talking about Daryl Sutter in this moment, <laughs> that there was a time where Daryl Sutter had zapped the confidence <laughs> completely out of Dustin Brown to the point where he was like a 10-goal scorer. Yeah. And now, like, he's scoring at will seemingly <laughs> at his age. It's crazy. Very really crazy. Yeah. See, when you point stuff out like that, then that's when I go, huh? Maybe Daryl, maybe Daryl shouldn't be coaching anymore. I, I think you got to be able to manage personalities. I think that's as a coach. And look, I'm a youth hockey coach. That's nothing compared to what these pros, pro coaches, have to do. And even mm-hmm. a youth hockey coach, you have to manage personalities. You can't go at every guy the same way. Some guys need to be coddled. Some guys need. Uh, some guys or girls need to be talked to in a very specific way, you know, to get through. You can't just be hard as Daryl Sutter with mm-hmm. every single person. You just can't. It's not going to work. So maybe he learned <laughs> he learned that by watching Brownies last few seasons. Yeah, maybe. I. Uh, but yes, I think one of the one of the nice things about the power play recently has been that I can actually watch and not predict where the puck is going to go next. Mm-hmm. I think in prior seasons, I could watch and I want to say with like 80% accuracy, know who was going to get the puck next. Because it was mostly around the perimeter. Sure. Rare was the was the pass across to seam or, you know, something like that. So it was just basically perimeter passing up, down, high, low, all the way around, trying to find an opening to then get a shot from the point basically to the net and then try to bang it home. That was, that was essentially the strategy. So if I could predict where the puck was going to go, then you damn sure better believe that an NHL player who's defending that power play knew where it was going to go. And now I watch and I, I genuinely don't know because they try stuff. They go low, they go high, they go across. They're actually trying to set up sometimes from behind the net, which is nice to see. So, yeah. And they're um, attacking the seams too, which is great. Going to the middle of the ice. Uh, trying passes, yeah. Sorry, they're they're ranked eleventh in the league right now, there just behind Dallas. They're they're scoring at a twenty five percent clip, and their PK is actually uh, fifth overall. So if you can believe that, the Kings are almost like 
one of the top, top special teams. Yeah. 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 Amazing. So it's our five on five play that's really <laughs> <laughs> missing something. Which is true. If you, I mean, look again. If you look at the analytics on our even strength play, it's not pretty, man. It's not pretty. And I'm yeah. talking about the entire season, not just one game or a stretch of games. Sure. We're not, you know, in terms of possession, it's still not there yet. But it's encouraging that we're not only in games, but we're able to win six in a row like that. Is it mm-hmm. sustainable? As we saw, probably not. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a hell of a place to start from. That's for sure. Let's let's start from there and move yeah. up. I'm cool with that. Yep. Looking ahead, Vardy. Let's look ahead. Yeah. To the schedule we got. Today is uh, March 4th as we're recording. So by the time you're listening, it will be March 5th and the Kings will have a game against the St. Louis Blues. Mm-hmm. A back-to-back set. Blues, another team with a lot of issues. They're, they have injury issues. They're not playing well. Jordan Bennington is doing some wild shit. <laughs> um, I think Tarasenko still not close to returning. Yeah. I think they have a couple other guys. Pareko, who's huge for them, not playing. So, winnable. Again, winnable games. Yeah, it's interesting. In, in recent weeks... Um you know, we had talked about how before it seemed like St. Louis had their their spot pretty well locked up for the playoffs. And, and they're still very much there. But I think there's been a bit of a shift where now they're not as secure. I mean, they have 28 points, but they've played 23 games versus, you know, Vegas played 19 with 29 points. Colorado's got 25 and they've only played 20 games. So the, the game differential... Um, kind of puts them in a vulnerable situation, I think. Um, yes. Well, they're also leaking goals yeah. right now. Yeah, their they're goal differentials plus two, 73 goals against. Yeah. Behind Here, only San Jose in terms of worst in the division. That's what I'm saying. Avalanche put an eight spot on them. Kings have put it, pumped them for six. <laughs> Kings have pumped them for six. Golden Knights, four. The Coyotes, three, four. Coyotes pumped them for four three times. Yeesh. Sharks put five on them. Six. So, yeah, the Ducks scored four on them. I don't think the Ducks have scored four goals all season. <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously defensively struggling right now. And it's funny because it's a team who historically, their calling card was defense under Hitch and some of their other coaches. Not no more, man. They're All their games, like from, again, an over and under perspective if you'll humor me they're basically going over their like the game total every single time Hmm. which is not a st louis blues thing man again so uh, obviously jordan binnington is having his struggles i think at some point before they went on this little um three game winning streak they had dropped three in a row and then several ones to the coyotes uh so it's been it's been up and down for them Again, a very winnable game. I think the Kings match up with them well. Um, I think, and they've played them well this season. They played them well. Far. I think St. Louis is kind of a veteran team that's a little fat and happy with their little Stanley Cup run. Good for them. <laughs> I think teams like that are kind of ripe for the picking when you're a young, fast, hungry team like the Kings. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how they perform. The Kings, I'm very encouraged by that Minnesota comeback. 
and outside of some defensive issues, I'm encouraged by their by their play against Arizona. I felt like they were the better team. They just didn't get the result. Let's see. So they have they have back to back there. So two right. chances right. To, so, to definitely get some points so here. Cal's gonna play. One, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's gonna play tomorrow. That makes I I think that would make sense. I think coming off a loss for quick, I would you gotta go with Cal. They're still rolling pretty evenly overall, I think. I know there was a stretch there where, where Cal played four in a row, I want to say, but I think the numbers are still pretty close to even okay. between the two of them. The old uh, Manny Fernandez, Dwayne Rollison split. Worked out great. <laughs> Just kidding. Didn't even know who Dwayne Rollison was till he went to the Oilers. There you go. <laughs> so, Manny go. Fernandez, where are they now? Curious, Manny. So, yeah, and then the Kings will have a two-game set with Anaheim as well. And then the dreaded Colorado Avalanche, who, look, they're having their issues too. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Kings play them hard. They're having some problems. Any update on McKinnon in terms of... He's day-to-day. It says day-to-day head. I've never seen that before. It doesn't say upper body. It says head. I think because it was so obvious it was his head. We're not going to say upper body. That kid from San Jose playing his first NHL game, now suspended for two games. Yep. So it's a tough intro to the league. Yep. Um, but Colorado, big issues. I'm telling you, man, they should not be where they are right now. They should be winning. How do you, how do you lose six to two to San Jose? Yeah, it's, it's inconsistencies. And you know, I think in the beginning of the year, I was kind of saying Vegas will win the division because of this. But Vegas, there's something not right there either. I mean, we've known that about Vegas for a couple seasons now. Yeah, we've talked about it. Yes. Granted, we're saying this about a team whose record is 14-4-1. <laughs> right. You know? But right. Marc-Andre Fleury has been propelling them, quite honestly, to a lot of those uh, to a lot of those wins. And um, he's had a, a bad loss or two here or there now. Robin Lehner has not been as sharp as before. Um, I, I just – they'll still be in the playoffs. That's not what, at all what they'll I'm saying. They'll probably win the division. Yes, I think that's a fair assessment. If any, I'm just saying that there's been there's openings is all. Um, you know, Minnesota yes. has has come on quite a bit. We have been having trouble with that team all season. I'm I I, I jumped the gun and got excited that we were never going to have to play them again. But I've as I was reminded by many of our Twitter <laughs> friends, there's a makeup game coming because of course there is. Yeah, but at least that's towards the end of April or something like that. So. Um, really, really impressed with Minnesota. I guess we're talking around the league now. They're, it's a different wild team, right? And I, and it's amazing how much Kirill Kaprizov has to do with 100%. That. <laughs> isn't, 100%. Isn't it crazy how one rookie can come in and kind of change the way? Let's be completely fair. Yes, he's a rookie, but he's a dude who has played professionally Pro, for yes. many seasons now. He's 23 that's not to say to take away anything from what he's done, but it's it's clear that he's playing with the confidence of someone who's played pro hockey for many seasons. Absolutely. And was very impressive on the Olympic level as well, if I'm remembering correctly. But I think he's the first thing you kind of point to as like what's different. 100%. Um, Zach Parise he's, was healthy scratched last game for Minnesota. First time in his career. So... <laughs> little changing of the guard going on in Minnesota as well. But a good-looking yeah. squad, right? Um, I think their goaltending needs to be solidified a little bit. 
Um, their their rookie goalie. I think he's a rookie. Kakinen. Uh, yes. I think he's a rookie. Yeah. Um, a couple of Finnish goalies doing really well. Lankin in in, in Chicago. In Chicago man, he, he's really doing well for them. Like he has held that squad together. Obviously, Patrick Kane is. In my opinion, if I gave the hard trophy out right now, I give it to him. He's, he's a solid, a solid a candidate as there is, man. I mean, he's playing with with Pius Suter <laughs> as his defenseman. He's carrying that team, absolutely carrying that team. He had his 400th goal, which which took me. <laughs> I I was taken aback by that because I I guess for whatever reason I've just never thought of Patrick Kane as much of like a goal scorer that that level of goal mm-hmm. scorer. But then I saw and I was like, really. He's got 400 goals. I mean, the dude is is clearly playing a first ballot Hall of Fame career right now. So Yeah. A lot of respect for P. Kane and what he's doing. Um, I want to – can I say something else about this Daryl Sutter situation? (laughs) We're coming back. So it's a situation where you would think they bring him in, see how the season goes as an interim coach. (laughs) No. Three years. Three years. <laughs> Three-year deal. What? That's that's the kind of presence Daryl demands. He says, I, I can't I can't deal with these boys for six months and turn them into men. I need myself three years. And Brad Trelevic is like, well, maybe we can talk over coffee. And he's like, I don't drink coffee. <laughs> I drink whiskey. That's right. But yeah, three I, years. Well, to be fair, that's probably what it would take for a guy at his level to be coaxed to returning, right? Probably true. You got to give him, you got to give him term. This isn't, yeah. you know, this isn't some sad sack coach sitting on the couch waiting for a phone call. He's fine. He doesn't, yeah. he don't need this. You need this. Yeah. Uh, so in a, in a way, not surprising, I suppose. It's man. It is just, just interesting times. Interesting, interesting times. I mean, you know, uh, going back, and again, I'm, I'm just kind of reading as we're recording here, uh, reminded that Anaheim actually had Daryl in as a special coaching yes. consultant at one point before they before they hired. Um, oh God, I'm blanking on everyone's name right now. I apologize, but before they hired their coach um, who was coaching the goals for them at the time. And so there was a lot of speculation that Daryl might end up being the Anaheim coach. Mm-hmm. And I think he would have taken that gig. I think he very easily would have taken that gig, you know, with his, with his uh, link to Southern California and everything like that. I think that would have been an easy sell for him. Yeah. But uh, no. Lisa Dillman said as much too. Yeah. Um, you were thinking of, Dallas Eakins. Dallas Eakins, yes. Former Edmonton Oilers, great. Dallas Eakins. Um, Speaking of coaches, Claude Julien got kicked right in the nuts. Right. We hinted at that earlier. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of turmoil, man. A lot of turmoil. I I don't know how long Vancouver is going to keep doing what they're doing right now, but. (laughs) I think here are the following coaches that will get fired. (laughs) In my opinion. Um, let's let's Travis Green. Travis Green, number one on the list. Number two on the list, Ralph Kruger, mm-hmm. TikTok buddy. Yeah. Tickety tockety. 
<laughs> you're gonna get the boot. <laughs> oh man. Who's the Rangers coach? Um not no Botterill's their GM. Um Yeah, I can't remember, but uh Quinn. I, I, there you go, that's his name. Something what's Quinn. That? Yeah, D- Dan Quinn. Yeah, and Botterill is in uh Buffalo. See Tri State area, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I would say Lindy Ruff because New Jersey's not doing that great, but it's his first season, so who knows? Um, so let's add Dave Quinn to that list. Dave? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dave, Dan, Dennis. <laughs> Dennis Quaid. Um, he's on the list. Randy Quaid. I'm going to throw on uh, John Hines. For Nashville. Oh, geez. How is this guy? Anyway, <laughs> we have to get to that. Dude. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I, don't th- I think Torch is safe. Thinking Torch is safe. I can, I can, for at least another season. Yes. I think that's fine. I think they see it through this yeah. season. But I think those are the guys I look at and be like, pack your shit. Ralph yeah. Kruger, seemingly a great guy, a great international coach, great with young players. This Buffalo team is garbage. They are – and you know what? It starts with their $10 million man who is pouting, has been pouting seemingly for three seasons. Like legit trade rumors now going around. For, yeah. To for the Eichel. point where, you know, to bring it back to the Kings thing, like legitimate Twitter people talking about Quentin Byfield and, and some other stuff – going back for Jack Eichel. I was listening to Nick Kiprios and Don, uh, Doug McLean talk about this, that if should LA offer Byfield in a package to get Jack Eichel. Like, this is where we're at, ladies and gentlemen. Um, for <laughs> I don't even know what to think of that. Like, case, that's not even... Look, in case anyone's interested, uh, Nick Kiprios felt the Kings wouldn't do it. I don't know if I would either. And I was going to ask you, which sounds like you're answering it. I would, I absolutely would not do it, and I'll tell you why. We're Personality. Not, we're not Straight there up. yet. No, I think, number one, we're not there yet, right? Like, you don't have – to make that trade, what do you say – like, how is that improving, number one, Jack Eichel's situation? Number two, your own situation. You By do, making that move, you're signifying that you're going to compete in mm-hmm. the very near future because this player is in their prime. It's just it, – it's a, it's a trade for later. Right. It, obviously, it's not going to be available later. But my point is, from a managerial point of view, it's a trade you make in the future when your team is ready to compete. I see what you're saying, and and trades like that will maybe not that one specifically, but you know, similar ones appear. Obviously, the the Carter trade, the Richards trade, those things appeared for the Kings at the right time, and so something akin to this may become available down the line. Um, you know, the argument that I have seen out there is that basically, well, why wouldn't you trade Byfield for the guy who's playing like you're hoping Byfield will play like um, three, four years from now? I'm hoping that he will play better than this number I, one. And that's, that, that was exactly what I was going to say, is that I, I, I'm hoping that he'll be as good, if not better, and will be able to, number two, see Byfield play, maybe not to this level, but at a solid production level while he's still on his entry level contract so that you can fill in the roster around them and create another potential run like we had before. Right. I don't think I don't think 
as good a player as Eichel might be, I don't think that I don't think that the upgrade that you get by by bringing in a Jack Eichel is <laughs> it's difficult for me to say because he's obviously such a great player. But I think I think the team is set up well enough right now where you don't have to make that kind of move. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think <clears throat> with the way your your group is trending age wise, yes, and the steps they're taking this season and the coming seasons, I think you let them grow together. I think that's yeah, that's what makes it work. I think that's why it works for those three years when the Kings were near the top of the league. I think if you look at a lot of teams, their core gets to grow together. They get to lose together. They get to win together. You bring in this guy who's coming seemingly from a bad culture in buffalo right <clears throat> i don't know what the hell they're doing over there the pagulas and everything it's i don't i don't know it's it's, it's never there's always something going on with the sabers i 100 percent agree it feels like it's rotten from the core yeah out, doesn't it it does completely and then i've heard you know oh, but jack eichel's a 40 50 guy guess what he's never <laughs> he's never done that and he's this is already what his sixth nhl season his best season, which was a great year, 28 goals, 54 assists, 82 points. Mm-hmm. I have nothing but positive things to say about those numbers. I would love that on any team. Last season, uh, 68 games, 78 points. So that's now you're go- you're seeing a trajectory that might be um, a 90-something point player. But the fact is he's not a 40-50 guy until he does it. Has he had mm-hmm. great teams? Probably not. But he's also pouted for three years and, right. and been – very vocal in the media about how unhappy he is. Um, so to me, that's a red flag on his character right there. And add to that, that he, like we just mentioned, he's come from this kind of a rotten feeling place. So I just, why would I do that? To what benefit would I do that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm right there with you, man. I'm right there. I just, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just partial to, to how I'm used to this team doing things, but I feel like they go for the guys that not only can produce, but, but are bring something to the room, bring something to the culture of the team. Absolutely. And I think it's another thing, just sorry to cut you off. No, it's very important when you bring in a player like this to have a culture set up in the room already. And I don't think we're there yet. No, I think these kids are still are getting to that point you bring in this guy, like imagine bringing Jeff Carter five years before they did. It would not have right. worked. There right. was no establishment. There was no hierarchy, you know. And and in complete fairness, Jeff Carter came in with some reputational issues. Right. I don't think they were fair, sure. clearly. But they, him and Richards both came in with some reputational issues. But they came into a situation where we already had the Willie Mitchells, the Justin That's Williams I mean, yeah. of, so it was it, they weren't coming in to be the the focal point of anything. They were coming in to be complementary pieces, you know. And and if you bring in a Jack Eichel at this point, I just there's too much shifting still going on there's still too much unclarity as to who is going to be that second tier of leadership and so he almost automatically gets thrown into that tier without necessarily having earned it absolutely couldn't agree more again i brought up jeff carter because he powdered his way out of columbus essentially right right? he didn't like it he made it very known um 
so that was kind of why I brought that example. And, and by the way, it's not just going to be like Byfield one for one. Yeah. You know, they're going to want more. Maybe you have to give up an Austin Strand, you know, another second round pick, first round pick. So it's going to be far steeper than giving up your potential future number one center. Right. And that's why I would stay away. And I don't like that. I don't like when people say, well, you you hope he becomes Jack Eichel. Totally different body, totally different player. This isn't Richards and Shen, right? When people said you hope Shen becomes Richards, that was accurate because yeah. you're talking about a very similar playing style, very similar body type, character. I feel like these two guys I don't see I don't see it. It's totally yeah. two different to, two totally different players. So I don't want Quinton Byfield to become Jack Eichel. I want him to be Quinton Byfield and see what happens. Yeah. I I'd much rather have Quinton Byfield. <laughs> That's just what it comes down to. Yeah. Good notes. Anything Good. else around the league sticking out to you? Uh no, Tampa's still good. <laughs> yeah. Florida seemed like they were Florida's good. Maybe good, they're man. good. No, they're good. They're a good team. They're a good team. And interestingly, not riding Bobrovsky. Trigger <laughs> is there is seemingly Joel Quenville's boy right now. Yeah. Bob, Bob gets in there, but I'll tell you. I mean not as much as he's I, used to. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think that's about it. I think we've I think we've done a decent job covering things. Episode sixty six. Mm. How many Kings players do you think have worn the number sixty six? So I have one in mind, but I think he might have done it in the preseason. So I don't know if it counts. Okay. But the guy I'm thinking of is John Tripp. Oh, interesting. And if you Google John. Things. I wonder if a photo will come up with him wearing. Well, let's see. With him making a big hockey mistake and wearing this number. Oh, I found one. Oh, good. I found one. And he's wearing sixty-six. He's wearing sixty-six in two thousand four. Wow. So that's that's a preseason. Well, he would be the only one, my friend, and that's. That is very impressive that you would even that you would even remember that. I did remember. I, well, listen. In two thousand four, wearing number sixty six, you're not going to forget that guy. Yeah. Because by then, well, I think Mario was still in the league in two thousand four. First of all, um, but by then it was pretty much as taboo as wearing ninety nine. Yeah. And I wonder if it, I can't think of anyone in the league right now who wears sixty six. Didn't Josh Hosang wear it? He did wear it, didn't he? And he got... <laughs> I think you're right. Don't ask me why I remember Josh Hosang's number, but... Yes, and I remember there was this whole thing about how Mario yeah. was okay yeah. with it. And then he switched to 26, but he definitely wore 66 at uh, points. Just one of the several dumbass decisions Josh Hosang has made in his young career <laughs> is to wear number 66. Yeah. Listen, I think he's... I know some people are going to be like, oh, you know, chill out, boomer, or whatever. They would. <laughs> but, like, it's the simplest thing. Just There's two numbers you don't wear in hockey, okay? Yeah. And for a while there, no one wanted to wear 88 either mm-hmm. um, until P. Kane said, enough of that noise. <laughs> okay, you can wear P. Kane, P. Kane earned that, though. P. Kane has 
yeah. potentially surpassed he the has original surpassed Eric Lindros, I think especially the newer generation if you tell them who who you think of when you yeah. see the number 80 there's only yeah. one guy right yeah. and uh god he's good what a player that's why I, that's why I wanted Tim Stutzla so bad hmm uh, but I'm watching him. He has long ways to go to me. You know, people, I'm sorry. You, you brought up Stutzel's name and there was, uh, there was some Twitter chatter earlier because Stutzel's trying to put up some, you know, putting up some points now, even though Ottawa is still not a great team and Stutzel's like minus 26 or something like that on the season about, I wonder if LA Kings fans, how they feel every time. And I can't, I cannot believe that the name Jimothy has stuck now and become this poor dude's nickname. But because uh, listen, <laughs> they're, they're like the best friends. They're the I'm, two best friends <laughs> that anybody has ever had. Do you see that video of them smiling at each other from the penalty box? Yes. They're like the, and then he goes over to Matt Kachuk in the free game. Right. And he says something to him. Just, I love it. I absolutely love it. By the way, Brady Kachuk is a beast, dude. What a player. He's already better than his brother. He's going to be... <laughs> dude, he's... I'm telling you, I am he so is. impressed he's with him. He's a great him. player. He's going to be the captain of the Sanders as he early as be. next season. He should be. He is. He's, he's a monster. He's going to be a great player. Uh, very impressed with him. But, but yes, yeah, I... Yeah, Jimothy. Yes. I, I, it's such a silly thing to say. It's such a silly, silly thing to say to be like, I wonder how Kings fans feel that this it's, dude who's two years old, like, it's just, it's it, like it's weird. It's exactly sour. what you said. It's yeah. bait. It's bait yeah. too. It's, it's exactly bait. It's, it was, it was a perfect gif. <laughs> it was absolutely correct. Um, do not entertain that thought. Is, is yeah. Like, it's just it's, funny to me. It's, it's funny. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, like, man. It's, it's not, Anyway, it's nowhere in the same realm, no, no, you know. We can't even let the kid compare, play. Right, let the kid play for crying out loud. Yeah. Do I wish? Do I wish the rain were playing better at this point? I do. I don't have a clear explanation as to why they're playing so terribly. I'd like to blame it on youth and. I'll tell everything. you whose fault it's not. <laughs> it's Quinton Byfield. Yeah. So let's, let's chill on that. Yeah. Um, so it is episode 66, Vardy, and, and the obvious greatest number 66, I think we all know who it is, uh, a man who needs... Josh Hosea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mario Lemieux. I would like to briefly touch on Mario Lemieux. Just a few words. Sure. The most talented... the most Wax, baby. Yeah, the most individually gifted hockey player um, of all time until probably Connor McDavid came around. Mm. Just the combination of skills it was overwhelming and uh i'm glad i was old enough to watch him play certainly i didn't watch him or i did when i saw him doing ridiculous things to the north stars in the 91 finals i was too young to appreciate what i was watching Mm -hmm. but i'm so glad in that second chapter of his career when he came back we were already in our teens um so and and my biggest joy is that I got to watch him live, that I went to a game and he was there and mm-hmm. all I did is watch him all night. Sorry, Kings, that night I was not watching you. <laughs> I was watching Mario. I think it was like 2002. It was, it was amazing. And, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of talk about, well, if he was healthy, 
he would have topped Gretzky's numbers. No, he wouldn't have. I'm sorry. Like, that's not good. I don't mean to, like, no. Just no. Stop it. But uh, forever in my mind, he's the second greatest player who ever lived. And I, I don't know how anyone's going to surpass him there. Yeah. I mean, just, just a marvel, honestly. Uh, the perfect combination of size, speed, hands. I mean, it's... It's sad. It's sad that the, the the terrible things that happened to him health wise, not because of of topping Gretz's numbers, but more so just like how how much more impressive his individual accolades, potentially team accolades, could have been. And you know, from from Hodgkin's disease and then back injuries and stuff like that. I mean, it's. And you watch old clips from, you know, him and Yager just dancing around the zone around five guys. And these dudes are just like, yeah, they cannot keep up. They're just lumberjacking them, Can't you know, do anything. and they still, and they're still going. And and you just wonder like how many of those injuries, those back injuries, those orthopedic injuries were a result of these guys who were just nowhere near them, nowhere near the same stratosphere, just basically doing the only thing they could do, which was, brutalizing them you know the most effortless play i think the word that i always think of is like effortless like he scored five goals and he scored five goals in a game like multiple times and they mm-hmm. all look he just makes it look like it's nothing and you know what's crazy like gretzky had to work very hard to get what he got he had to really work hard to get those numbers mario didn't have to he just had yeah. to all he had to do was show up and that's how good that guy was. And I, I'm telling you, uh, he probably did very little <laughs> workouts. I, uh, I'm pretty sure he he was a smoker for a while there during his career before he you know before he went ill. Um, I think there was a span in the '91 or '92 playoffs where he didn't practice because of his back. He would just show up to games and get six points, and then go and <laughs> go into the tub ice and then I go to sleep he's wake me up when the next game starts five five points five points no warmies I don't even that, yeah that's that yeah no it's 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 interesting that you brought up that comparison that like the next one on that level um probably McDavid honestly you're right I mean Sid is incredibly talented Ovechkin is absurd just a machine of a human being I think Malkin does not get nearly as much credit as he deserves, but like to that level, you might be right, man. McDavid is McDavid's <sighs> another guy who all he has to do is just show up to the Yeah, range. he just shows up. He, he just shows he's up. He's flying through and he's not even moving his feet and he's enjoy watching him. That's all I have to say. Enjoy. Yeah. Stop this yeah. all this comparison shit. Stop saying, Oh, Matthews is better. Watch all these guys, man. Yeah. Watch them as long as you can. Uh one of my biggest regrets is not seeing Michael Jordan play live. Just didn't have a chance to do it. Whatever, I was too young. Basketball wasn't like something I was too passionate about at the time. If Buy a ticket and go watch these guys when things open up again. Yeah. Well said. I think we leave it on that. I don't well, know if I can I finish gotta, it off any better. Just one more thing. Oh, all right, fine. We got to shout out, rest in peace to Walter Gretzky. Oh, That's, I think, fair. the pro- proper way. Uh, it happened like an hour before the Daryl Sutter news. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, only thing I'll say, and I tweeted this, is that I'll always remember when they interviewed Wayne about 
this game seven against Toronto, he always mentioned how whenever he wasn't on the ice, his eyes were on his dad, who was had a brain aneurysm, didn't remember anyone, didn't really... There's questions if he even knew what he was looking at. But that's something I, I always... I don't know, it's always kind of stuck with me. The greatest, <laughs> the greatest hockey dad and the greatest kid hockey coach of all time. <laughs> I think that's, that's not a stretch to say that. Yeah, he did okay. <laughs> he did okay as a hockey coach. Happy trails, Wally. That's it for us, guys. Please follow us on Twitter at TheBannermanPod. Drop us an email, TheBannermanPod at gmail.com. Subscribe. Subscribe. Review. All those fun things. The more we get stuff like that, guys, the more interactions, the more reviews, the more followers, the more we can put time into this. That's just the way it works. Yep. Those things only encourage us to do more. Interactions only encourage others to find us, right? The more you guys like our stuff, follow us, subscribe to us, whatever, tell your friends about us, our numbers grow up and the more incentive we have to continue doing this. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.